Hello, we're back. So welcome to episode 19 of the Churchill Chat podcast. I'm your host, Tim Lewis. I know many of you have been waiting for this and thank you for all the messages saying how much you have missed listening in and asking when the next episode was due. So here it is. In this episode, I talk to the new commanding officer, Colonel Steve Wilson, to find out what has happened in the first months of his time in command. And of course, we have our catch up with Jim Austin at home headquarters. All past episodes are still available. There's a link on the homepage of the association website, or they're available through iTunes, Spotify, or your smart speaker. Let's now go and welcome Colonel Steve Wilson to the podcast and hear of the early days of his command, which, as you can imagine, pretty hectic, and any plans were very firmly ripped up, and at one point the regiment had four squadrons operating in three different countries. Colonel, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Tim, hi. Good to see you. Uh, great to see you. With a bit of a gap and everything else, but you know it. Rule number one, what's your regimental history to get you to where you are today? Yeah, OK. So so I, I joined the commission in 2002 and uh, I commissioned into the Royal Tank Regiment into 2RTR. Um, and that immediately upon that, into joining the regiment in 2003, I went off to the Gulf for, um, for Telic 1 and took part in the invasion of Iraq. Uh, then I came back and did my troop leaders course after that, so it was a bit of a baptism of fire joining the army. Uh, and then I did the, the usual round of regimental duty, but with the uh, anomaly back then of there being two Royal Tank Regiments, so splitting my time between both. Um, I was uh, squadron in second command of uh, A Squadron 1 RTR, which is a demonstration squadron on um, um, at the top of Battlesbury Barracks, uh, Battlesbury Hill in Harmon Lines. Uh, they deployed on um, uh, Op Herrick, Op Herrick 7, um, and then I went off to um, work at MOD A Block as a captain. Uh, I was then, um, what was I then? I was then the training major of the Royal Yeomanry uh, before Staff College, and uh, I did some SA2 appointments at the ARC, and then I, I found my way in 2015 to be uh, to the Queen's Royal Hazards. <laughs> I saw the light, and uh, as I became a Sea uh, Squadron leader in Senelaga in 2015. Uh, and I had two wonderful years there um, with Sea Squadron, uh, where we were we were pretty busy. Um, we spent the first few months in Canada as the Opfall, um, and then we went back the following year as as the training audience as a, a squadron and uh, squadron with 18, 18 tanks, um, and, and that was a great couple of years. Um, and we we were on standby as part of the NATO um, Very High Readiness uh, Task Force, so the VJTF. Uh, and did some great training, interesting, novel, interesting training. Um, and then um, the planets and stars aligned and I was selected to uh, command the Queen's Royal Hazards. So the, the natural thing then, of course, was to transfer. Uh, and I transferred into the regiment uh, in 2019. Um, so and then, I, and then I took command and had the privilege of taking command in January of this year. And so the lovely thing about a handover is there's a nice steady forecast of events all there. It's all laid out in front of you and you take over a nice stable ship from February. That's right. Yeah, well, I, I had um, an interesting conversation with Ant, the 2IC, in about October, November time. And he, uh, he assured me that they'd secured a really good forecast of events that was really stable, that would ramp up at the end of 2022. So it'd be a really nice soft landing. There was a few interesting training events, but it was going to be nice and steady. And uh, that's exactly what didn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, of course, 
Uh, I took him on, I think, on the 10th of January, uh, for, took over from James, um, who incidentally I took over a sea squadron from in uh, 2015. So oh. uh, I've been following James around for the last few years. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, things out in Eastern Europe um, have changed the dimension of what my command tenure is, um, is a, how it's playing out. Um, all of a sudden, uh, I would suggest that um, heavy armour is very much back in fashion. Um, we are very much in vogue at the moment. And um, I have hosted many, many visits in the last six months, as well as getting daily um, requests for information on the, the state of the, everything from the state of the fleet to our um, readiness and availability. And of course, um, a number of uh, things have come online since I took command in January, including the latest, where as of today, the majority of A squadron have deployed uh, to Senelaga, but with the intention next week, they'll make their way to um, a place in southeast Poland. And what, and what other deployments have there been that weren't planned. I mean, I think I think the, the Estonia one was already there, wasn't it, with five rifles? Yeah. So, um, so Estonia is not is is due to be uh, is us next year. So the QRH battle group is planned for next year. So March next year we'll deploy on that. Um, I, I actually I made a note of the uh, of what we've done this year, and it, it's already taken up half a page of an notepad, which is <laughs> says something in itself. Um, the, as well as the routine training, things that we weren't expecting were um, were, were D squadron were really heavily heavily committed earlier in the year in um, uh, March to May, uh, and, it, and actually alongside A squadron. So, um, and that was with something called Operation Isotrope. Um, and, and if I take you back a step, the at the start of the year when I took command, the regiment was assigned to the um, a readiness tasking known as UK. SB, which is the UK standby battalion. Yeah. So that is the UK's um, response. There are a number of um, a number of standing uh, units who are assigned to um, military aid to the civil authorities. So in the likes of a terrorist attack, um, as right of arc in uh, floods, uh, uh, the pandemic, and other times of crisis, um, and storm units was a good example. So um, the regiment stood up a number of times for vaccinating uh, and for storm. Uh, and actually, quite sadly, was never actually deployed during that period. And then as we were coming off that, the ops officer came in one day and said he'd got a great idea um, in terms of how we might sort of protect the, the force from uh, being uh, picked apart with the various trawls that's going on. And we uh, put our hand up for what's called the UKRU, which is the UK Readiness Unit. And uh, then the very next day, we were landed with a, uh, an activation order for our Pisotrope, which is the operational name for the UK's or for defence's contribution the migrant crisis or what we know as the sort of the small boat crisis down in um on the english channel in yeah. uh, folkestone and calais uh, or calais folkestone so d squadron and a squadron was stood to for that and, and subsequently a squadron stood down but d squadron spent about six to seven weeks uh, down on the southeast coast um doing uh, the migrant facing roles and um and to their credit they whilst i would suggest it's not necessarily a, a natural task for an armored unit um, the, the squadron were the first, we took over from one, one Scots Guards, but they had never actually, um, uh, they were never actually uh, crossed the start line. They were there to set it up, um, but for various reasons, it hadn't gone live. And then um, you may recall when the Prime Minister made his announcement yeah. regarding the Rwanda plan, um, that also marked the, um, the first day of Op Isotrope. And D Squadron spent their time down in Dover, 
uh, basically taking migrants off the off the off the small boats, off the coast guard cutter, uh, and the and the lifeboats, um, and then processing them, searching them, and, and handing them over to the to the Home Office and Border Force. So, whilst not a conventional task, and perhaps not one that we would seek out ordinarily, it demonstrated the versatility and the, the other side of our soldiers in terms of compassion, intelligence, uh, emotional intelligence, and their ability to improve process. Uh, and there's no denying they were involved in some fairly sort of gritty, um, uh, yeah, gr- I suppose gritty activity in yeah. terms of you know taking off these very unfortunate people off the boats who have um, you know, given up everything to to make the perilous journey. And regardless of what we think of the the policy or the politics around it, um, our soldiers acted with a high degree of compassion in front of the. The, the nation's media, both sort of from all sides of the spectrum, as well as the the, the hazard that is the live stream on Twitter, etc., because yeah. it was right in the public eye. And, and I'm proud to say that you know there were, there were zero incidents. And actually, I think it's to the credit of the the, the reputation. It, you know, the reputation was enhanced when we left there. So uh, high risk activity in terms of reputation, but one that we walked out with our heads held high. Oh, well done, decent, well decent done, the black pig. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and. Uh, and what else? Well, um, there was the routine activities such as that we knew about, which was um, the OTX for B Squadron in Finland. Um, but that came with a degree of uncertainty. And whilst it turned out exactly as we planned in the end, um, there was a point in time where they were potentially going to extend for a number of months in theatre, um, or they were going to be joined by battle group headquarters, or we may take on additional subunits. And I suppose the point it highlights that um, there has been such a degree of flux and uncertainty in the in what we're up to over the last six months, in that nothing comes as a surprise. And um, I, I usually sort of wait with trepidation as the the afternoon hours of Friday afternoon pass, because that's usually when these things drop. And we've had everything on a Friday afternoon, from can you host the prime minister on Tuesday to can you deploy the entire regiment to Finland in two weeks. So uh, yeah, it's interesting times, and uh, uh, yeah, so there's a problem. That's probably the big one that was unforeseen. <laughs> um, and, and obviously, the whole uh, Ukraine business and everything else has focused everyone's views on on armor, and it's changed, isn't it? In the early days, you know, it, it was all the mobile anti-tank weapons, and recently the Russians have been using the armor much more as we would see it with lots of artillery and everything else. How has that sort of fed back into the regiment on sort of mindset attitudes and the, some of the training requirements and everything? Yeah. So I, I suppose I'll pick on your last bit, mindset and, atti- mindset and attitudes in that I'm really conscious that the regiment and everyone else in the nation has come out of a period of time throughout the pandemic where life was not normal. And we're now returning to, I guess, a new normal. Um, So our soldiers have not really deployed routinely for a couple of years. People have been largely confined to barracks. Um, Whereas now we're asking our people to do a lot more. So there is definitely a mindset um, shift that we've needed to adopt. And that's returning to one of expeditionary mindset, one of readiness. So, and I know James before me did some great work of ensuring that the regiment were ready. uh, And I was, much appreciative to take over a regiment that was ready largely by and large, um, certainly technically, but then testing that mindset um, and, and being prepared to be expeditionary, which B Squadron demonstrated by going to Finland, A Squadron are doing it with Poland now. Um, and then 
in terms of what the wider fallout from Ukraine, yeah, it, it really it's really confirms to us that what we're seeing in Ukraine is we're, we're not seeing what we practice in terms of combined arms uh, maneuver. Uh, it's really re-emphasizing uh, the, the, our tactics at the lowest level must incorporate combined arms. So going forward, um, uh, we're deploying tomorrow on exercise Iron Storm as, as the op for. And it was really rammed home to us at every level from commander up to sort of battery commander that we must be doing these things combined arms. Um, because especially as we operate, when we see to train and operate in congested terrain like the urban area, or woods yeah. and forests, we cannot do that alone. If we do that alone, we will not survive. So, um, so integrating our infantry companies, our anti-tanks, our, our, our add-ons is really, really critical. And is there more of you, you know, having seen all the stuff with everything from the backdoor big drones that they use, so they're much smaller, almost consumer drones, a sort of a focus mm -hmm. on how you deal with drones. I know there was talk at one time of vehicles having a defensive suite that would allow them to sort of capabilities against that sort of thing. So that's how, how you learning how you can uh, minimise the risk of that sort of thing? Yeah, it, it, it's really making us think quite hard about... Um, the, the basics, really, that we all know as armoured commanders in terms of dispersion, camouflage and concealment. There is now, you know, we're now wrestling with you, how we do camouflage and concealment vice what we can traditionally do with big, heavy cam nets to the speed at which we can react and get out of there. So, uh, and there's been some good work with the live cam out in Estonia, which we can't practice here, unfortunately. Um, but in terms of the the ISR, the drones, etc., I visited Recce Troop last week out in um just out in the near, nearby nearby fields and they were working with a um with a MOD contractor but a, a contractor nonetheless into, with um small UAS so what we know is effectively like consumer drones yeah. but uh but but the, this is a military contractor that su can supply and does supply a full um high tech uh small unmanned aerial system with thermal image cameras uh, some really quite quite smart AI um, that that I'm seeking to push to try and get to the lowest level. So Recce Troop have got that particularly um, because you know you'll remember from the old days that when it hasn't evolved terribly, that Recce Troop will always give a battalion commander an assessment of yeah. what they see, or how about they can actually give me a statement of fact because they're watching it from you know, 500 feet through a thermal camera. Um, that's better than anything we've got on any other fighting platforms um, in something that weighs less than 250 grams. So there's some exciting stuff going. And I know um, and we had, we were fortunate to have um, ACGS, the Assistant Chief of the General Staff, visit us on Friday. And there's some work ongoing at Army Headquarters about how we really get this stuff soon, sooner rather than later. Um, so within the next 12 months um, to genuinely make us um, more lethal and credible. Because whilst we are looking to the mid-decade for... You know, significant platform upgrades it's how we fight tonight that is of interest to me it's sort of that'll be interesting to see how it all, all, all comes online and, and sort of on the other side of life has with the, you know the covid not completely going away but that allowed you much more social sporting everything else to, to go on recently it has yeah so i would venture that we have returned to normal um so um covid is not at the forefront of my mind now and you know, we, we we have returned to normal. So the messes are back. back. Sadly, we had to can't cancel the officers' mess, some of all, but that was due to deployments rather than COVID. <laughs> well, not cancel, sorry, we've postponed it to later in the year, but the science mess has got theirs on the 30th of July. Corporal's mess the night before. 
um, we were able to have a, a, a regimental families day about two weeks ago, which the RSM did a great job of organising. And we had about 500 of the serving families there. So, so that was really good. And that was the social side. And then on the sports side, you'll, you'll already know that we uh, won the Cavalry Cup final. Yeah, that's very good. Get, get another one of those under the belt. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I was delighted with that. And, um, but also we've recently won the Royal Armour Corps Cross Country Championships, um, which was great. And uh, you'll recall that the RAC runs its Hodson Horse which yep. is the annual RAC sports competition. Traditionally, it was always on a one or two days, but that's now um, aggregated across the year. So the, the key of sporting events for the RAC across the year will count to that. And the uh, Cavalry Cup being the first one, so we are already top of the leaderboard. So I've given laid down the challenge that, you know, that we want to win that, because it's always been quite difficult to invest in that when we were based in Germany. Um, so yeah, there's a full sporting. Uh, and, and I've just had yeah. the uh, the email from home headquarters on some of the polo dates. So Rundle Cup, yeah. there's a, a quite a crew going down that. When I spent the agent, he said you're looking to have a sort of a tent there for us to congregate round and everything. Yeah. Else, which we're going yeah. to. Have. I'm whipping up the stuff and also the uh, interregimental stuff, which is coming up, which is really good up up at guard. So you know, hopefully. Yeah, that's right. Sadly, the back with the regiment is largely on exercise, but we, we are looking to support that as very best we can. So we're, yeah. we're looking to release a few people and, uh, and like you say, have a pitch there with the, with the QRH marquee or the, the gazebo, etc. And so then looking forward, what have, what have you got? What, what's coming up in the next few months? Yeah, again, so it doesn't look like the tempo is dropping much. So we're on, uh, so I said earlier, we were on um, exercise Iron Storm for the next three weeks, which is the... Um, we're playing the op four, so that's um, one mercy and battle groups going through their combat ready training. So we're providing the op four for that, but we're we're still we're still deploying two squadrons on that and the battle group headquarters. And then uh, in July, D squadron are firing their Challenger two ranges, um, which is great because they weren't they haven't originally had the ammunition allocation this year for that. But the ops officer and the two IC did some great work and un unlocking some additional ammo, so they're firing in July. Uh, then we break for summer. And then uh, B and C squadrons go straight on the ranges after um, after summer leave in Castle Martin as well. So uh, uh, B and C, and then two IC and R will be firing too. Um, October we've got a, um, a a regimental training event, so a bit of big exercise out on Salisbury Plain, um, which was confirmed recently. Um, and then come November we'll start to think about our um, training pathway really for Cabrit next year. So that begins mid to late November um, with the with the cast and Germany and the cat. Um, sadly, we can't we won't be doing it in Warminster because the the roof's off. But we'll we'll be back in Senlager, so we'll be uh, reacquainting ourselves with Senlager. And then that dominates the training period. Then into the new year, we uh, will do our exercise Talon Dawn. And then in March next year, the battle group will deploy to Estonia. And that's and that's now with two squadrons of vehicles within in Estonia, is it? So the current plan is, is as of today is that is for two squadrons. Yeah. So B and C squadrons. And then um with an attached with two attached companies and possibly a French subunit as well. Oh god. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Carol, yeah. Brilliant. And uh, and this uh, having I watched some of the, the, the social media channels and everything else. It's yeah. brilliant. And I know you know pipes and drums have been having a whale of a time in Australia of other other things and, and on the sports side it's always interesting to see that just the number of different sports that, that, that everybody that everybody's um, sort of joining into these days. It, it is fantastic. So you know, keeping busy, having fun and everything else. So, you know, um 
you know, it sounds like it's going really well. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast. No, you're more than welcome. No, no look forward to it for a while. <laughs> okay. Hey, look, look forward to seeing you around at something soon. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Good to chat. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Colonel. The regiment has certainly been kept busy and has had to rapidly adapt in these strange times and will continue to do so, I suspect, in the future. But it's also good to hear that the social and sports side is back on track and that helps bring the whole regimental family together. If you don't follow uh, Churchill's own on uh, social media, it's worth doing so. They post regular updates on the range of their activities and gives a real flavour of what they're up to. It's also interesting to see the amount of media coverage the regiment gets being one of the only remaining armed regiments and they recently got numerous mentions in a copy of the Times. It's that time. Let's go over to Jim at Home Headquarters for a catch-up of what's been happening over the last few months and what is on the horizon. Hey Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Hi Tim, hi Tim. Yeah, it's been a while. It's February. It has, yeah, I know. But I think everybody has been very busy. We've just heard from the new commanding officer, and the regiment has been very busy. So I know um, they've been absolutely run ragged. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I presume you've been quite busy, but heading now into the sort of the slightly quieter months of the summer. No, that's right. I mean, um, sort of March, April, up until Kevmem is pretty busy, sort of getting returns in for lunches and who's attending and uh, and organising that. And then, sort of a few weeks after that, just sort of tying together and paying the bills and you know chasing people for money and what have you. And then it starts to slow down. Yeah, I mean, the summer months are normally fairly quiet for us. You know, it's just normal routine, uh, office routine, and then we'll start to pick up again probably beginning of September, rolling through until October and November with the remembrance events and officers' dinner and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and that'll keep us busy for a few months, yeah. But, um, um, yeah. And I know I've, I've obviously had all your emails and it looks like it's, sadly, uh, you've had a lot of notifications of empty saddles have been coming through since the last one. Yeah, well, since uh, the end of February, we've had 16, you know, which is quite a few. There was a period when we, it, it, it seemed that we, we were getting sort of an empty cell once every other day. It was just, it, it did for about two weeks. It was uh, incredible. But yeah, sadly, 16. Um, I mean, I won't run through them all. They're on the website if people want to go and have a little look. Um, but yes, um, yeah, very well, sad. I, but... I, went to, I went to Christopher Hambry's memorial, which was down at Lambourne, and he was obviously into racing and polo, and, I, and I've never seen such a wide variation of people. Uh, and, right. it very, and it was really nice that the command, commanding officer, 2IC, and the adjutant were there representing Russian. Um, yes, I, I know, that's good, yeah. He's been quite supportive in the past of things that the museum have done and that sort of stuff. So, no, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Very good um, out from him. Yeah, well, I would have expected a, a big turnout for, for 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 that particular funeral. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, very sadly, uh, yeah, sixteen um, since we last spoke. Um, and good turnout. Grants. Good turnout. Good turnout at Cavalry Memorial this year. Quite a lot of people from the. Yes, region. we did actually. I mean, uh, we we had um, about eighty plus uh, marching contingent, which was pretty good. I mean, the regiment supported us quite well. Um, and we had the football team, of course, in the, the final of the Calvary Cup the day before, which I went and watched, and they won, which uh, which was great. They won on penalties. Um, so, you know, having the football team playing the Calvary Cup final back at Burton Court, back at Burton where it Court, hasn't yeah. been 
for five or six years. So hopefully they've, they've now got that uh, that venue sort of firmly in the calendar every year. I haven't been um, there for years. I mean, obviously we used to go there in the old days when Brian Meller and the people like that were there. With yeah, the yeah. Well, it was a, it was a big event, wasn't it? You know. Yeah, then, um, but then the ago. last few years, I've been I've been to Windsor. I went to one when it was down at Tidworth. So it's all been so it's not nice that it's back at its proper home, but and, and the weekend and everything else. Yeah, I think because I mean, you know, it was always part of Calvary Memorial Weekend, and it was always an attraction to, to get people to come, yeah. you know, to London. Because I mean, you know, I, I, you know, we we know London is expensive, and and you know, traveling down there and staying for even one night can be very expensive. But at least if you've got a few different venues to go to, you've got the football, you've got the parade. Most regiments have a lunch of some sort. You know, well, you can I, make a I really good, that, uh, good weekend of it. We've said it on the pub. I I think that. The, the the lunch after the parade now is spot on. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had we we just short of one hundred and ten people to yeah. lunch um, like on the Sunday. You've got, and you've was... got the, there's a good bar there. There's plenty of space. You've got the courtyard. You can sit out. It's you know on a nice day yeah. like it was. You can have a, have a have a lovely day. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we're very very lucky to have it as a venue because you know they they give us that whole ground floor to ourselves, um, and we're well spread out and we're well looked after. Um, you know, and it's a beautiful location. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll keep that I'm going. sorry I couldn't join you, but you then had a bit of a day at the Founders Day Parade at the Royal Hospital feeding feeding yeah, the yeah, boys. Yeah, absolutely. I went to Founders Day. I mean, we had 12 people actually that um, had uh, been allocated tickets, and we we're only entitled to two per pensioner. We only had four pensioners in at the time, okay. so we were actually only entitled to, to eight tickets. But um, I had a few reserves, and and I know the guy that sort of uh, uh, that runs it and. Asked him if there's any spares, could he throw them my way? And he did. So that was great. So we had our full allocation. Um, well, everybody that asked for tickets got tickets, which is great. Um, yeah, and it's a great day. I mean, you know, it, it's great to see these old boys on parade. They love it. You know, they're <laughs> in the scarlets and marching around. Um, uh, it was um, Princess Anne's uh, husband. Yeah, Admiral Tim. Yeah, Admiral Tim. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. he spoke really he, well. They were, they were, they were. He, yeah, he was excellent, actually. He was very funny. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, he was he, he was on the ball, um, and it lasts about an hour and a half, which is probably about as you know yeah. about right for for the old boys on there. But afterwards, they they have a sort of you know uh, um, like marquees out the back, and there's 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 beer tents and and and, and burger stands and what have you. And it's a really good afternoon. So you know, um, again, we've got we've now got five. Well, we're just about to get another in pensioner. Well, who, um, who's the latest in pensioner? All right, hang on. You're asking me now, and, and 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 I met him, and his name was Tony ba- um, Batsford. Okay, Tony Batsford. Yeah. Um. So he's an ex Irish czar, um, which will give us five in there, um, which is the biggest representation of any of the Armour Corps regiments. Sure. Oh, well, there um, you go. Which is which is excellent. Yeah. Um. So we'll have five in there come the eighth of July. Tony goes in. Um. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're all in good form. I did have um, to laugh um, when I saw the, the World Pace Sticking Championships was on at Sandhurst and the impensioners put a team into that as well. So a couple of few old, really? for a few <laughs> old guardsmen from Arthur <laughs> went yeah. down to go and, go, go and do yeah. some pace sticking down on the old on the parade square in front of Old College at Sandhurst. Yeah. Oh no, they have a they have a good old life, old boys, I have to say. They really do. Um but uh, yeah, no, it was great, it was great to join them for the day. And um yeah, and I would say, you know, if you're interested in going next year, we'll if we have ten, or five adventures, we'll get ten tickets. But it'll be a come, come for a serve. And of course, if you've been before, then you know I've got to give opportunity to people who haven't been. But um, you know, it's a good day if you can get on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, how have things been on the the support front? 
Uh, no, I, a little bit quiet, but um, I, we, we, we've sort of seven cases since the beginning of the new financial year, which is the 1st of April. Yeah. So we've had seven cases and we've given out four grand to, to, to various, uh, to, to, well, I mean, we've supported all the cases that we've had in and given a total of just, just over £4,000. Um, but, you know, with um, you know, the cost of living crisis and, and everything else that's going on, I wouldn't be surprised to see a surge in applications um you know later on in the year um but you know um we we, we treat everyone um exactly the same uh, and uh yeah I mean, we help out where, where we can because that's what we're about at the end of the day you know we are a charity and uh so yeah um you don't like to see people fall on hard times but it's nice to know that if if, if they do there is somebody you know, there they, who can, they, can, they can turn they can turn to us for help. yeah pardon me somebody who can give some form of help so that's yeah good. absolutely absolutely yeah and um you know, uh, I think all all the regimental charities are, are experiencing the same sort of quiet period for some reason. I don't know if it's sort of well, we put it down to to um, you know possibly not being um, enough volunteers to go out uh, and, and conduct the cases. Um, there was a new system that was introduced last year. They're still getting to grips with it. Um, but as I say, you know, I would expect I would expect it to sort of you know to 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 a bit of a surge. Let's just say. Uh, so you're hitting, hitting the quiet summer months. So, I mean, the one thing I know again, having seen your emails, it's coming up is the museum lunch, which is coming up yep. in early yeah. September. Uh, yeah, the museum lunch is on the fourth of September. Um, I pushed out the uh, the instruction for it last week. Um, I've had some returns back. Um, I think I've given a closing date of the nineteenth of August to get your uh, your attendance form in to me. Um, I'll push out a reminder yep. probably mid July um, because some people probably just may not know what their plans are for that particular week. So I'll push out another reminder. But yeah, if you go onto the website and just um, search museum lunch, it'll take you straight to the uh, the detail and, and the registration form. I think the next big thing after the museum lunch is the uh, officer's dinner on the 9th of November. Again, the instruction will come out probably about the beginning of September. It's a little bit early to push it out now, but did people just, you know, note the date in their diary, 9th of November. Uh, and that'll be followed then, uh, Remembrance Weekend, where we are going to be gathering in Worcester this year. This year. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see that uh, Millie is already putting around some stuff and pulling people together for that. So Yeah, that's right. Well, oh. Millie, um, Worcester Group are going to do their annual um, sort of yeah, gathering yeah. the night before. Um, so that'll be other well, be a lot of sore heads. Well, that'll be any fits there. Like the last one. <laughs> be a lot of sore heads on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit too early to put the detail out for that yet. Um, that'll come out sort of after the summer holidays uh, when people start focusing on it. Um, but I've got to do a visit to Worcester with Millie and just touch base with the uh, the local dignitaries and the council and what have you, just to you know see how they run it and let them know that the the Queen's Rollers ours are descending on them this we year. Will, we will be there. <laughs> absolutely yeah excellent yeah. jim once again thank you very much um oh you're very welcome tim and um yeah um i think the next one we'll do probably be on the uh, september each time maybe september yeah. october yeah, yeah. okay um, well, well, I'll have more, now you've got, you got all your rock and roll clothes ready for your guns and roses concert this weekend <laughs> <laughs> you picked up on that. yeah no i mean um yeah i'm a bit of a fan and um yeah, I was looking at doing it last year, booking a ticket, and 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 I, I thought, mm, should I, shouldn't I? And um, a couple of weeks ago, I thought, I'll go and have a look and see if there are any available. And there were, and I thought, you know what, you I'm might not, get to, you <laughs> might not get the chance again, Austin. And you know, um, you don't want to attend a, a concert in ten years' time in, in a silver frame. Yeah. So <laughs> better to go now. <laughs> no, I'm quite looking forward to it actually. Uh, and as it happens, actually, I felt I felt so guilty because it's not 
Trisha's sort of scene, really. You know, it's not her type of music, but um, I feel a little bit guilty. So um, Brian Adams is playing up um, where we live oh, right. um, at the weekend. So I've got a couple of tickets to go and see Brian Adams uh, as well. So a pretty full weekend. <laughs> hey, right up weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've just noticed that Tears for Fears are on that uh, that bill as well. I think they're supporting him. So, yeah, there you go. That, there you that, go. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. All right, cool. Hey, Jim, very nice to see you again. And, uh, yeah, and you, Tim. Uh, you too. Again, thanks for everything. All the all the emails are coming through. So, you know, it, it's no, been no. Really good. So, thank you very much. Oh, very welcome. Yeah. See you then. Okay, Tim. All right. All right. Next time. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Thanks, Jim. Great to catch up. And as you heard, if anyone wants to go to the museum lunch in September, do get in touch with Home Headquarters or get the details from the website. So that's a wrap on episode 19. Thank you again to Colonel Steve and thank you for listening in. Do get in touch if you have any subjects you'd like to be covered or can think of people we could talk to. Now close your eyes and try and imagine our Jim Austin having the time of his life in the mosh pit at the Guns N' Roses concert at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. God, where did that lot come from?